Hi folks, Jack Spierko here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. <laughs> Commercial free versions of past episodes. Podcasts blast from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. And today, folks, we are rewinding just a hair under four years. May 27th, 2015, this was episode 1582, Why Blind Patriotism is a Greater Danger Than State Oppression. And this is a gamble to re-release this show because, honestly, while I feel this might be one of the most important shows that I've ever done on how to think uh, and and how to maintain liberty and how to fight for liberty, it was also one that probably pissed off the most number of people ever in this audience. I, I imagine it's not, maybe not as much of a risk to rebroadcast it as I think because I've probably gotten rid of most of the people that were that pissed off about it, and even the people that came back since then. I talk about this subject enough; they they probably don't stick around much anyway. But I, I'm going to throw this out: like if you're newer to the show and you haven't had me heard me speak on anarchistic principles and on not trusting your effing government, even though you say you don't, but then you do when this type of thing comes up, as long as it's your side, I want you to hear me out today. Because the, the, the show title is a question, right? Why is blind patriotism a greater danger than state oppression? Why is it actually the case that people who are blindly patriotic to our government, that, that elevate things like a flag to a religious symbol. Why is that more dangerous than the oppressive state itself? Well, as is often the case, some of the most complex political and psychological issues and foreshadowing of the future can come right out of science fiction. How about Star Wars? Let me play this little piece for you right here. I think almost everybody on the planet recognizes that quote. But do you recognize its importance? Let's say that I needed to do, like, I, if I was doing, like, the Daily Minute with Jack or something, and this was the question of the day, and I was doing a one-minute podcast, how would I answer the question, why is blind patriotism a greater danger than state oppression? Because it is blind oppression. I'm sorry, it is blind patriotism that enables state oppression. It is the blindly patriotic that, in the end, will always stand behind the state no matter what the state does. They'll talk a good game, but when you say, hey, this is wrong, we shouldn't be do th doing this, they'll say, well, if you don't love it, leave it, get out. That's not how America works. That's not how any country should work. Let's examine the word patriot, and let's discuss in this new intro to this very important episode What the effing word actually means, if we actually mean it when we say it. Patriotic does not mean 100% allegiance to your nation no matter what it does. That's not patriotism. That is the path to despotism. That's a path to despotism. To idealize the nation itself, you are actually idealizing the state rather than the nation's principles when you do this. When a symbol becomes more, more important than what the symbol is supposed to symbolize, 
you are on a path toward totalitarianism. You have to be. Because you are not a patriot. A patriot is someone that is loyal to specific things. So maybe you are a patriot. What are you patriotic to? The principles that this nation was founded upon. In fact, the guiding principle, the most important principle, the number one thing that every American who claims to be patriotic should be loyal to is what? Individual liberty. The right of the individual written into our founding documents is the prevention of what we're headed for head on, the tyranny of the majority. You only concern yourself with preventing the tyranny of the majority if you are concerned with the smallest minority that exists. Everybody, you know, everything, it's in vogue today to be worried about minorities, minorities, minorities. The single smallest minority that exists is absolutely, 100%, the individual. Because every individual is different. When we start dividing people up, well, this person's black and this person's white and this person's brown. This person's male and this person's female. This person's Republican and this person's Democrat and this person's Libertarian. Then we, we, we're creating groups that are, in, in many instances, completely artificial. You're not going to tell me that two white people don't want drastically different things, that two black people don't want drastically different things. That if you have two white people and two black people, the white people want something different than the black people, that it's not possible that one of the white people and one of the black people want very similar to almost the exact same thing, and the other two, maybe they do too. But in the end, they're still all going to want something differently. What is liberty? What is... Because if you are a patriot, if you are a self-described patriot of this country, then the thing you should be patriotic to is liberty. Not a flag. Not a president. Not any effigy representing the state. The patriotism is to liberty itself. So how do you define liberty? And I'll tell you, if you'll let go of whatever programming has gone into your brain, the way you define liberty is different than the way that I define liberty. We could come up with a generic definition. But in reality, the way you define liberty is not how you write down words that you put in a dictionary, or you put in your own journal, or you say on your own podcast. The way you define liberty is through how you live a life when you have liberty. Where you live, who you associate with, how you educate yourself, how you raise your children, whether or not you have children, who you love, what you accept and what you don't accept in your personal life, but not in anybody else's life. Because this is one of the things that this nation from its founding has struggled with. If you interfere with the way another person lives who is not harming anyone, it is only a matter of time until the pendulum swings in the other direction and it is done to you. Oppress a faith? Sooner or later your faith will become oppressed. Even if your faith is atheism. You cannot oppress a faith. What you do is you punish an action. 
this group of people is over here hurting this other group of people. I don't think that's the case. I think these individuals did something wrong, and we need to then take appropriate action. Whether they're actively doing it, and the appropriate action is shooting them in the head and kicking them into a shallow grave, or they stole some shit and it needs to go back to the people who have it. It's not about the color of their skin, who they worship, or who they love. And any belief that it is makes your patriotism false. It's false. Because you've thrown away the singular ideal that is the foundation of who we are supposed to be as a people. And you might think it's odd to hear an anarchist espousing the virtues of the United States of America. Well, here's the truth. I would love a stateless society. I ain't getting one in my lifetime. My grandson's probably not getting one in his lifetime. Maybe humanity will evolve to the point in seven or eight generations from now. I don't know. I'm an anarchist for the same reason that some of you choose to be Christian. Or some of you choose to be Jewish. Or some of you choose to be Muslim. Or some of you choose to be Hindu or Buddhist. Because it's an ideology. It's a belief. It's a moral decision. My belief that one man cannot take things from another man against his will, no matter what title you give him or how many people put their hand up and say it's okay, is absolute. It's absolute. So I have no choice but to be an anarchist. My belief that all interactions between adults should be voluntary and never forced through coercion and force is absolute. It's 100%. I have no choice. That doesn't mean I can't look at something and say, these things about this thing are good. And the concept of striving so that the individual has as much liberty as can be allowed in the current system and the current understanding of the people surrounding them, that is virtuous. That is good. That is decent. And that is the one thing that actually unites America and most of the people that want to come here. The American dream isn't, well, you, you work really hard and you build a business and then you become rich. That's not the American dream. The, the American dream isn't you work really hard, you go to college, you get a good job, and you have a great retirement. You live on, No. The American dream is you do whatever the hell you want to do. And as long as you don't hurt anybody else, you are, have every right to pursue what you want to the hundredth percent and not be interfered with, not be messed with. Not be t have something taken from you. Not have it be seized from you. Not have your property taken from you. Not be told you can't do that. Not told you can't live here. Not told, oh, you know, we want to do something else now with that place that you've kept and maintained in your family for a hundred years. So we're just going to take it from you. And we'll give you some money even though you don't want to sell it. Imminent domain. It's not constitutional. It's not right. It's not right. And that, in spite of all the stuff this nation has screwed up, is really in us at our core. Because it's innately human. It's innately human that that person over there that has a thing that they rightfully acquired, it is theirs and it should not be taken from them. It is innately human that if these two people want to go do whatever they want to do together and they're not hurting you and they're both adults... Do we leave them alone? And our Constitution, and more, our Declaration of Independence. And you'll hear about this in today's episode. 
at their core, are very anarchistic in principle. I guarantee you, when King George got his first copy of the Declaration of Independence, he referred to them as anarchists. And in some ways they were. But our founding documents, our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, and this is some, and, and the follow-ups with the Bill of Rights and additional amendments, if they were restriction upon the people, then yes, they only apply to us in America. In other words, when we had Prohibition, you can't drink alcohol. Obviously, that didn't apply to Mexico, right? That's why a lot of people went to Mexico during Prohibition, by the way. Uh, but the assertion of an individual's rights in every place that they appear in our founding documents do not solely apply to Americans. They were never meant to. They were meant to restrict this government that we have by stating that these rights were innate and applied to all men. So when someone is here illegally and you say they don't have any rights, I agree they have violated the law. They should have every innate human right. It doesn't mean they might not have to go back where they came from. But to assert that they do not have rights under our Constitution because they are not American gets to the heart of the problem. And the same people that will say that say, the Constitution doesn't give you any rights. Oh, God gave you the rights. The Constitution restricts. You got that right. So why do you think it stops at an imaginary line on a map? It doesn't. The justification for our massive interference in the world has always been these people have the same rights we do and they're being oppressed. And then we line Johnny up and send him off to war, and we cry when he comes back not whole, or not at all. And yet we fail to question the basic principle of patriotism. What are you patriotic to? And the first answer, it might not be the only answer, but it's the only necessary answer, the first answer, if you are patriotic to what this place is supposed to be, is the rights and liberty of the individual. That is critical, including and most importantly the individuals that you disagree with until such time as they are harming you, taking your property, or oppressing you. There's a reason, as I finish up this new intro, there is a reason the porcupine is the symbol of libertarianism. Because the porcupine hurts no one. I have been in the woods and come across porcupines and you can kind of hang out with them. They're not afraid of you because they're badass. You want to mess with me? Go ahead. I have sat down and fed part of my sandwich to a wild porcupine. He sat there and ate it and then, you know, kind of just tooled off. But go jack with a porcupine. He will jack your shit up. Right? That's the way, that's what we should be patriotic to. You live the way you want. You don't hurt anybody, and you don't hurt me. But if you hurt mine or me, I will jack your shit up. It's very simple. There's a reason government doesn't teach it. It makes it very hard to divide and thereby control a population if they are bound by a common human ideal that transcends every religion, that transcends every race. This person is bothering no one, so leave them alone. This person has acquired these things. They belong to them. 
leave them alone. That unifying principle, known as the non-aggression principle, to me, is what we should all have the most allegiance and patriotism to. That does not mean we don't have to accept the state is here. But it doesn't mean that we have to be blindly patriotic to that state that seeks, above all, to divide and to control. With that, let us go back. May 27, 2015, episode 1582, Why Blind Patriotism is a Greater Danger Than State Oppression. I want to start out today with something that I think people really need to understand if we're going to have this discussion. When I say something like, we have killed children with bombs, I do not mean that the individual soldier who gets upset when I say that has purposely bombed a child. I would say in most instances where things like that occurred, the people that are in the system are generally thousands of miles away pushing buttons, launching cruise missiles for those things to occur, and have become disconnected with the, the actual results. I don't think that our soldiers, when they're serving overseas and are on a street and being shot at or thinking, I'm going to kill a kid today. And I think that needs to be said right up front to have this discussion. Because if you don't, it is just assumed that that's what you mean. And I'm going to tell you part of why that's the case. Because some of the people, specifically in the liberty, libertarian, and anarchist movements, are friggin' assholes. Okay? And I'd like to use another F word that I don't use on my show to describe what you are. But you are assholes. When you start saying shit to a soldier... Like, oh, you just went off to kill little brown people or something like that. You are not helping. You are not helping. You are not helping. You are not helping. You are being incredibly disrespectful. You are also being incredibly inaccurate. What you need to understand is that we are all victims of a system. And if you're paying taxes, you're contributing to the same system that's killed those children in that foreign country or sent our soldiers into wars that we should not have sent them to. And you are as culpable in the word we as the person that wears the uniform is. And try to remember that when you sit here and partake of what America is and understand that we include you in that vernacular and that use of the word we. And what we need to understand is at the height of totalitarianism of the state, it has always been the individual serviceman, the individual soldier, who has done what they could when they could to mitigate their own government's actions, sometimes murderous actions. If you blame the soldier you are part of the problem, too. And I want to tell you a story about a soldier who saved my father-in-law's life when he was a young boy. My father-in-law is from, is from Holland. He's a Dutchman. His father was a chief of police in a town in Holland. And he was a chief of police in a town in Holland when the Nazis invaded. 
And when the Nazis invaded Holland, if they didn't immediately decide that you were an enemy and they might be able to use you, they chose to use you. So they left my father-in-law's father. I will be my son's great-grandfather in position as the chief of police for the town. But they threw him out of his house. They threw him out of his police station. But they left him in, in, in play. And he had to find another place to stay and another place to conduct business. But he did that. Unbeknownst to the Nazis, my father-in-law's father was also known during the war as Cappy Marie. There's a book about him you can look up. And, and, and if you can read Dutch anyway, you can read all about Cappy Marie. Cappy Marie was a key member of the Dutch underground and worked to get people out, out of Europe, out of Nazi-controlled Europe into free areas. They hid Jewish people and other people of many other classes in society that were being persecuted. And it didn't take long for, with radio chatter and things like that, the, the Nazis that were in control of the area to figure out that this Cappy Marie character was a problem. Now, Cappy Marie is a female name, so they were looking for a woman, and here's this police chief that they left in place right under their nose. And through the war years, the family gets pretty scattered, but they're still holding together, and the whole family was part of the Dutch underground, the Dutch resistance. My grandfather, as a boy, conducted missions like one time he was almost caught with a suitcase full of Nazi uniforms, and these were Nazi uniforms so that they could be used by the underground. This is real stuff, guys. And there was a point in time where my grand, my, my grandfather, my father-in-law's uh, father eventually got caught, and they knew who the family was now, and they put him in a concentration camp uh, in a cell with a Catholic priest. I'll get to that in a minute. And the family scattered. And as you might imagine, the Nazis were looking for them. And eventually, my father-in-law was caught. But a soldier saved his life. Here's the part you wouldn't expect. A German soldier, a Nazi soldier, saved his life. He said to him, I'm going to march you to where they've told me to take you. And I'm going to fall down and pretend I'm sick. Run and don't look back. And he had to make a decision. He's about 15 years old at this point. He's facing certain death if he's held. They're going to kill him. They know who he is at this point. At least in his head, he's sure they're going to kill him. He also thinks this guy might be just saying this as an excuse to shoot me in the back. But he said he looked at the guy's face, and he saw enough to know he wasn't, he wasn't deceiving him. And he ran, and he escaped, and he tied into the underground contacts he had, and he disappeared. At 17, immediately after the liberation, he joined the Dutch Marine Corps. And served in the Dutch Marine Corps for five years. His father, who was in a concentration camp with this Catholic priest, one day saw a guard come to take the priest away to be shot. The priest, 
had a rosary that he made out of beads that he made out of mud, fibers he pulled out of the mattress, and a small cross that he carved out of wood. He gave this to my father-in-law's father and said, Take this and pray, you're going to need it. And the next day, the Allies liberated his camp and he survived. I have a photograph of that man, who I never knew, standing in front of Dwight David Eisenhower, receiving the Medal of Freedom. (sighs) When you put down the individual service member, these are the types of things you're condemning. These are the actions that you're putting down. My father-in-law, after his service in the Marine Corps, and during that time met my, my, my mother-in-law, who's passed away at this point, and then the whole family was offered by, uh, by U.S. forces, basically, you can have anything you want. And uh, all they wanted was to come here to America. That was it. That was the only thing they wanted. So the family immigrated to America. And then my father-in-law had three wonderful daughters, one of whom is my wife. You can say if none of the soldiers served in the German army, there wouldn't have been a World War II. But I prefer to think about the fact that if that one soldier hadn't decided that a child needed to live that I would never have met my wife, I wouldn't have my son, and all the wonderful things that family has given to this country would have never happened. So when when I speak against what this nation does, it is with this type of reverence that I'm still willing to say what we do wrong. And it is with this type of reverence that I'm willing to defend the rights of people I vehemently disagree with. And what brought this all to a head, I've been trying to think about how to explain this on on the air for a long time, was two posts that I did yesterday. The first was a picture of the now famous flag shirt with the upside down flag. And what I posted with that as a meme was, if this is offensive to you, and it's just a picture of the flag you probably saw from somewhere else, consider the meaning of it. To fly the flag upside down is to express extreme distress. Today we live in a nation that has murdered children with bombs in our zeal to kill terrorists. At the same time, people equate military force with freedom and are okay with government oppression as long as their side is temporarily in charge. And Bruce Jenner's sex change is bigger news than the erosion of our freedoms. Perhaps, just perhaps, this shirt offends you due to its accuracy. Now, some people were really upset with that, but apparently it wasn't as well as poorly received as the few that were really upset would say. Um, the picture reached 131,000 people, received 5,600 likes. Um, 2,700 uh, of those likes were on shares, meaning somebody else did. Uh, 1,133 comments. As far as the negative feedback, 13 people couldn't stand it and hid the post. 15 people decided to hide all posts from the Survival Podcast. That guy's a jackass. We don't like him anymore. And three people were so angry they unliked my page, which I don't need any of the butt hurt ointment for. Um, 
But this prompted John Willis to ask me on Facebook about my overall opinion of the flag. And I, I put out a second post, and I want to tell you how much less it was read or paid attention to before I tell you what it was. It reached 4,400 people, 60 likes, um, negative feedback, nobody hid the post, nobody reported to spam, nobody unliked the page, but three people, probably people who don't even know who we are, hid all posts from the Survival Podcast. Um, that post was a picture of the flag itself with a blog post that went along with it, and it might make how I feel a little bit more clear to those of you that might be offended by the fact that I said that we, this nation, has murdered children in our zeal to kill terrorists. I'll, I'll talk about that more in a second. But first I would like to tell you what I actually think about our flag and its symbolism. And I'll just read it verbatim. I was asked, given my recent post here, which links to the post of the, the flagship, to explain my actual opinion of the American flag, and I want to go on record with it. I respect the flag and honor it as what it is, a symbol of the nation I chose to serve. I speak here now as a prior service soldier with the United States Army Airborne, something I seldom do. Most of the time I prefer to just speak as Jack now. But so many invoke the soldier who themselves have not served. I choose at this point to speak as what I am, a prior service soldier, just so I am fully clear to those afflicted with blind patriotism. I know my nation in many ways falls short of the ideals the flag is to represent. I know my brothers and sisters still serving in the military are often used as tools by men that see them as nothing but, quote, dumb, stupid Animals, end quote. In the words of a former national security advisor who had that job long before Obama smoked his first doobie. I also know many one day may live to regret how they were used. Many won't and will never understand the pawns government sees them as. I do know this, though. The character of those I served with is amazing. People don't serve to do harm to others. They do it because they believe in what they are doing and feel that as one who is strong, it is your duty to defend the weak. The flag is to represent the ideals of the Constitution I swore to risk my life to uphold. Said Constitution protects the rights of private property and free speech of all Americans. Again, this I swore to uphold. I swore to uphold those rights, and they include the right to burn, trample, etc., Anything the individual owns, including a flag, as long as no other person or person's property is harmed. It includes the right to wear a flag on a shirt upside down, either as a legitimate symbol of how far our nation has fallen or because they are an uninformed douchebag that thinks they are cool and doesn't even understand the symbolism. My oath is to defend the rights of the hipster, the douchebag, the patriot, the democrat, the republican, the gay, the straight, the atheist, the religious zealot, the rich, the poor, etc. Everyone. To defend every right for every person. Those I agree with are important, but far more important is my obligation to defend those I vehemently disagree with. And I won't lie. I get truly pissed when people who never served speak on behalf of those of us who have and say things like, quote, people died for that flag. You have no right to do blank with it, end quote. First, because those people are speaking for those of us who have no problem 
speaking for ourselves. We know what we fought for. We fought for ideals, not for a flag. We defended the ideals behind it. If I see a guy trashing a flag, what I want to do personally is smack him like a little bitch. Because I know he's being an asshole just to be an asshole. Let me be clear. That desire is not because I see the flag as a holy relic. It's because the person doing it is only being an asshole for the purpose of infuriating others. And while I wish to slap the shit out of him, what I am bound to do by my oath is to defend his rights to do as he sits, sees fit with his property. Some would ask why I would feel this way as an anarchist. Well, that is because the ideas America is supposed to represent are largely anarchist ideals. My loyalty is not now, nor was it ever to the state. My loyalty is to my fellow man. That is you reading, or in your case, hearing this right now. The true ideals of America that are to be represented by the flag These are the inalienable human rights spoke of in the Declaration of Independence. Many will point out accurately that the U.S. has failed in many ways to live up to the promise of those rights to all and continues to do so even today. The right to property is not respected by the state. The right to live as we choose is not respected by the state. I agree, but my, my oath isn't to the state. Never was. It is to the ideals that were promised. The fact that so many have not yet been delivered makes fighting for them more, not less, important. Now, that post not as much as the other one, but it also resulted in something that we have to talk about next. In fact, the most concerning to me, thing to me is that people say in response to these types of things and do it all the time, if you don't like America the way it is, leave. Really? So should all of our forefathers that didn't, think, didn't like slavery have left? Should all of our great-grandparents that found it was wrong that women could not vote have just left? Should all the people who found the 18th Amendment to be insane just have left America? That for those of you that only know a couple amendments, the 18th was the one that outlawed alcohol. Prohibition. Should everybody that thought that was wrong just left? I mean, the will of the people was spoken. It was con For God's sakes, that at least was constitutional. Should everybody have just left because they didn't like it the way that it was? Should the people that worked to get past the Civil Rights Act have just left America instead because they didn't like the way it was? No, guys, I'm sorry. America doesn't work that way. Love it or leave it is not patriotic. It is the opposite of patriotism. It is simply saying accept the will of the state or shut up or leave. It is also extremely dangerous thinking. That's what I want to damn it today with you is why this is so dangerous. And again, you need to be angry with the system and the people that actually control the system, not the people caught up in it. Because whether you think you're free of the matrix or not, you're not. You still are attached to many pieces, no matter how much of a, a purist. I am an, a pacifist, anarchist purist. Really? Did you, did, you, did you go somewhere today on a road paid for with somebody else's money? You know? Or, or did, you, did you buy your little piece of dirt and you're listening to TSP across a Pringles can that you scavenged from a garbage dump and, and you're completely off-grid and, okay, maybe you can talk. The rest of us, hey, we're benefiting from this system too. 
It is accurate when they say they fought for our freedom because a lot of what America has today is provided by the fact that we have military might. It may not be accurate in the way that it's intended to mean. You know, they fought for your right to vote. Well, I think of 180 countries or something like that that are out there, uh, far more than half of them have a right to vote. Far more than half. Democracies. They have everything we would consider freedom today, at least most people would. At least most of them. You, 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 you can't be someone that says, well, since this person is in this place, they're wrong, but because I'm not there anymore, I'm right and get anywhere. Very few of us that are of the libertarian or anarchist persuasion started out that way. I started out as a freedom-loving, small-government-believing Republican. That's where I started out. And many of the things that I speak out in anger at people over today, I used to be for. I was the guy that if you put America down to me, threaten to whoop your ass. That's who I was. So when I see someone else do it, I full well understand why they feel that way. I understand why they're wrong to feel that way now. And part of it's because there was always a little bit of temperance there. I want to tell you guys another story. When I joined the Army, I was barely 18 years old. I just barely. In fact, when I joined, I was 17. But by the time this happened, I was 18. And um, on my birthday, while I was in military training, um, Iraq invaded Kuwait. August 2nd, 1990. You can look up the date. See what happened on that date. That's my birthday. It was my 18th birthday. It was pretty clear that we were, you know, going to go to war. And all of, and you're in training, man. They're already drilling into your head. You know, you're going to get gassed by the enemy. You're going to get shot at, whatever. And this ramped everything up. This made it more serious, and this made it more real. And one day we were on a bus, and we were heading out to, to a range for some training. And as we went by the, the gates, there were anti-government anti, at least in my view at the time, anti-military protesters outside the gates of Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And they were chanting and they had their signs and you know, no war and all. And we took this very personally as young men. And we started yelling and carrying on and saying things like, you know, these people don't get it. They're disgusting. We should go kick their ass, etc. The drill sergeant, drill sergeant Arroyo, immediately told the bus driver to pull over and made sure that we could still see these people. And he said, every one of you just shut up right now. I'm going to tell you something and you guys need to listen. Do you understand me? And if you've been through basic training, you know what the response was. Yes, drill sergeant. I said, look at those people over there. You see those people and what they're doing? If you're not willing to fight for the rights of those people to do that, even if you disagree with them. You are never going to be worthy of the uniform you're training to earn the right to wear right now. So at least I had that. At least I had an incredible NCO like that to plant that seed in me. But I still remember hearing people just, in my view anyway, just trashing the nation that I loved. America sucks. And... You know what? America doesn't suck. But there are things about America that suck. 
And that's what they really meant, but I didn't hear that. I heard, since America sucks, you suck. And what you did doesn't mean anything. So it's very angry. Now when I hear that, I say, why don't you tell me what you mean? And I usually find a lot of what they feel and a lot of what they're, they're expressing with maybe not the best use of words is actually a lot of things that I agree with. And even when I would get angry before, things I actually agreed with then. And I've realized as I keep trying to teach you, it is another form of division. By creating another division in society, we have greater control by the people in power. The, the person that the soldier tends to look down as a, as a peacenik hippie is probably the soldier's biggest advocate unless they happen to be also an arrogant asshole. And we'll talk a little bit more about the arrogance at the end. But most people in the liberty movement do not have any negative opinions of the individual soldier. Most, not all, some of them are arrogant assholes. Elitist assholes, I would say. But most, you know, most of us feel the best way we can honor the fallen is to stop creating so many of them. Let's, let's take a little bit of an honest look, shall we? Even if we don't go into any conspiracy theories at all, any made it happen, let it happen, any of that stuff, if we just look at the facts around 9-11 and the years of war that resulted after it, <laughs> the official story is on 9-11, 19 men affiliated with Al-Qaeda flew airplanes into the World Trade Center a failed attempt at going after the Capitol building or White House, we're still not sure, uh, ended up in a field in Pennsylvania, and one more plane hit the Pentagon. Again, it, it, no conspiracy theories. If we believe all of that, is is 100% of how it happened, fine. Those 19 men were made up of 15 who were citizens of Saudi Arabia, and the other three were from the United Arab Emirates, Egypt, and Lebanon. In response, we invaded Afghanistan and Iraq. That's just the facts. That's just the facts. We invaded Afghanistan because we said that was the place that these people were trained. That was the source of their, their power. That was the, that's where Osama bin Laden was. That's where everybody else was. Okay, let's just say that that was all true. And that it was not possible to simply surgically strike the root of this that we needed to invade Afghanistan. Let's just say that was completely justified. And all of the things that happened after it were as well. Like we, we stayed there and we should have, and let's say, okay, Iraq. Iraq. Because we were told as a people and largely believed as a people, and I remember being outraged when, when, when people said it wasn't true, that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, but they were not there. They were not there. They were not there. They were not there. No, they weren't snuck away at nighttime or whatever. If you have the kind of weapons program that we were sold that these people had, they would have been there when we got there. We were lied into that war. We were flat out lied into that war. Does that mean that the individual soldier that went there went there because, you know, uh, they just wanted to invade a country? If, if you believe that, you're an idiot. They believed in what they were doing. I gotta tell you, I remember seeing the second invasion and feeling guilty that I wasn't there. I remember thinking, uh, here I sit 
with it. I was, this is, I was, I had made it in corporate America at this point. I was VP of sales for Fluke Networks. And I'm sitting with my family in the comfort of my home and I'm watching these brave men being shot at and calmly doing their job. I'm thinking, man, it's not right that I'm here. I should, I should be there. And now I think, thank God it wasn't. We were lied into that war. And many of the people that we killed, we killed in combat, in legitimate combat. But a whole lot of them were innocent people that never did anything to us. And a lot of them were innocent civilians that never did anything to us. The death toll is enormous. And this country has lodged cruise missile attacks that have killed innocent children. And to me, that is murder by our nation. And our nation labeled a man a terrorist who was an American citizen. And the president of this country ordered him assassinated. Whether he's a terrorist or not. You don't assassinate an American citizen with a missile. And you always, during the rise of a police state, trample first on the rights of the unpopular. You trample on the rights of the truly criminal. You sell that to people with blind patriotism. This is the nation that we live in today. And this is a nation where people get upset. If anybody does anything that offends them, that involves the American flag. But what we're doing, if we're more offended by someone that burns a flag or wears a shirt that depicts a flag in a way that we don't think is right because it's disrespectful, and I think in some instances it very, very much is. But when we're that upset about that, but we just kind of go, well, what can you do when the president assassinates a U.S. citizen? What can you do when American bombs blow the back of children's skulls off? I mean, and we're more outraged by a flag. It's been around for a flag shirt. It's been around for a long time, by the way. Go Google flag upside down flag shirt. You'll find hundreds of variations. It wasn't like this was the only one and put on display on Memorial Day just to piss you off. No, it was the it was there for a long time. The company that had it has had it since 2012, by the way. But somebody made the picture and put it there to upset you to drive a wedge between you and your fellow man. But you have to understand, when you place the symbol of ideals above the ideals themselves, we have a word for that. Some of you are really not going to like this word. It's idolatry. It is idolatry. When you make the flag more important the symbol, the flag, more important than the ideal freedom, then you are creating an idolatry to the flag, to the inanimate object, to a piece of fabric. Rather than having an allegiance and a loyalty to the freedom that is represented by that flag. Now, let me make sure I'm clear on this. If somebody, just because in case you didn't get what I said already, If somebody goes out and gets a flag and holds it up and desecrates it in some way and sets it on fire and says they're protesting, I think they are an offensive asshole. Again, 
my gut reaction is you are just doing this to be hurtful to others. And what I want to do is smack the crap out of you. But it's your property. You own it. It's a cloth, probably made in China. Because I'm thinking if that's what you're going to do, you don't go out and get the good flag. Okay? Right? You get the cheap one. And I, so I am now bound by my oath to your liberty, to defend your liberty, even though I find it disrespectful. Even though I find it, frankly, appalling. Because that is a true view of liberty. We cannot have liberty for some. Liberty for some eventually results in liberty for none every single time. Crack a history book. So to have the freedom that flag represents, I have to be willing to accept your freedom to be an asshole. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, talks about many innate human rights and also specifically spells out additional rights the government sees as worthy of protection. Nowhere in those two documents will you find that you have a right to not be offended or to not see something disrespectful or to not hear something you don't want to hear. Nowhere in those documents, show me where it says ever there that you have the right to not be offended. Show me where it says that people in our nation shall have the right to free speech unless it offends a veteran. Or unless it involves our flag. No, it's an absolute right. Freedom of speech. Show me where it says that you have a right to your property and effects, except when they look a certain way, or are a certain color, or arranged a certain way. It does not. It says that you have a right to your property and a right to your opinion. Even when we disagree. It is the unpopular opinion that is the most need of protection because it is the one used to sell you the blind patriotism that will eventually silence your own opinion. Again, crack a history book. It's happened every single time. And I am sick and tired of right-wing radio assholes telling you that you cannot possibly support the soldier if you don't also support his mission. In which mission? His individual mission? Secure that town? Keep yourself and your men alive? Or the overall mission of the corporate interests that control our nation that are benefiting from his sacrifice? If you're more offended <laughs> by the fact that someone burned a flag than you are that that soldier comes home without a leg and doesn't get proper medical care, really? Check your offense. See, and the thing is, <laughs> whether you like it or not, some jackass wearing a t-shirt you don't like or some other jackass douchebag burning a flag actually does no physical harm to you or your property or anybody else other than they don't like it. it they're disrespected. Okay. Again, you don't have a right to not be disrespected. You don't have a right to not be offended. You don't have a right to not have other people say things you don't want to hear. You certainly have a right to not listen to it. Absolutely. 
But you don't have a right for it not to exist, and you don't have any right to use the force of the state to silence it. And it's very dangerous when you start thinking that you do. Do you understand how your government actually view, views these soldiers? That it tells you you're unpatriotic? If you say something... See, here's the thing. You speak out against what your government does. The people in charge that give the orders, that use the military like a gun. The criminal is responsible for the death, not the gun, right? Okay, <laughs> Connect those dots. Let it sink in. The people that are in power, that decide, oh, we're going to go start a war over here. We're going to send our economic hitman into this country to destabilize it. And when that doesn't work, we'll turn it into a, an on-the-ground war. These people that benefit, they're the criminals. Then we in the liberty movement, we in the freedom movement, we that are opposed to violence unless it's used in the clear defense of others or yourself, Speak out against the criminal. And we get called troop bashers. And you brainwash the soldiers that are coming home to think that's what we are. So you create a division. And they laugh while we fight. And then you tell the people who say our government should not do these things that they are unpatriotic. And the people that just wave the flag and accept whatever they told, you're a good patriot. And a nation falls into more of a police state. Right now, do you know what's going on right now? The, 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 the Senate and the House failed to reauthorize the Patriot Act or replace it with what they're calling the Freedom Act. I want you to just stop for a minute and think about this. These laws that give government unconstitutional authority to spy on its own people, all right, yeah, are called the Patriot Act and the Freedom Act. You see how the whole, no, that's just marketing comes into this, right? Okay? Well, they failed to do it. And Obama said to the NSA, yeah, shut all this stuff down. We're shutting it down. We're shutting it down. And people are going, yay! And I posted a meme for this. It's the guy from Elf saying, you sit on a throne of lies. Do you think they're really shutting that down? No, you know what they're doing? This is a government shutdown 2.0, right? They're going to shut down the government, but you know all of the authority and the, and, and the weight and the violence of the state existed during the government shutdown. They just wouldn't let you into the national park. Now, if the government was actually shut down, there wouldn't have been anybody there to keep you from going into the national park. It's a facade. They shut off government websites that nobody has to do anything to keep up. It was a facade. It was a shakedown. That's what they're doing right now. Look, the terrorists are going to kill us all because we can't spy on your Aunt Edna's email. And they'll get it back. They'll get it back, this little hiccup. They'll get it back. They'll regain the authority to spy on your private activities. They'll get it back. They'll do it with fear and anger. And they'll continue to seek places that they can intervene militarily. And I said something in my blog that you may not be aware of. That there was a former member of the United States government, a former national security advisor, who referred to America's military men as dumb, stupid animals. That was Henry Kissinger. This is not new. 
This is not a new view by our government of the military that we're supposed to revere. So just to kind of bring it all together for you, the government tells you to revere the military that they see as dumb, stupid animals to be used to enforce their will. And when you speak against the government, they say you're speaking against the troops and tell the troops you're speaking against them. And then you and the troops argue about whether or not the government should be doing something, but neither one hears what the other side says, and they laugh all the way to the bank. And what you need to understand is those that have served the longest and done the most will be the most offended when you say anything against what they see as their country and their flag, even if you're speaking against the government, that they too tend to loathe. <laughs> if you hang out in military circles, you will hear no group of people that bash the government more than current and prior service military. They know what government is. But it's almost like, it seems like if you've ever on like a football team, there's always like the, you know, the omega player, right? The lowest, you've got your alpha, usually your quarterback or a star running back or something like that. And, you know, you got all your top guys and you got your lower string and you got the guy that just made it, just made it. And it's not, you know, not everybody has a Rudy, if you're familiar with that story. Sometimes the guy's kind of a little geeky and you really question whether or not he should be there or not. And the whole team kind of picks on him. But let someone not on the team pick on him and you got the whole football team right up your ass. Right? Okay. That's almost how it seems to be with the military sometimes. They'll kick the crap out of government. They're all a bunch of assholes. They don't care about us. They're, they're sending us off to do these things. Extreme animosity. But when you say something about it, they take it as though you're attacking them. But they know. They know, or there wouldn't be so many of them killing themselves right now. There wouldn't be so many of them with PTSD right now. We have plenty of guys with PTSD because they were in real serious combat. We got plenty of guys in PTSD, not because they were in combat, because of what they saw and what they've realized and what they've come to terms with. We have both of those. But the longer you served, the more you started to realize that the guy next to you was important. And if you were a sergeant, it was your job to bring your guys home. And if you were a lieutenant, it was your, your job to bring the whole platoon home. And whenever someone fell and never got up again, you took it personal because you feel like you failed in your job. And you would do anything and everything to protect your men and bring them home. And as you progress, you end up compromising a little more and a little more, and a little more, because you do become more and more informed. And you start to realize, if I'm not here, this guy dies. So you have a sense of duty and obligation to your men, and a conflict with the reality on the ground. And if you think, I'm not qualified to say these things, because I only served for a few years, I'd like to tell you the words of another man right now, somebody that wrote me an email, um, who I'll just say is a 
a service member to be respected, and out of respect for his request, I will not reveal his rank or his unit or exactly what he did or anything like that. Well, let me read you the email he wrote me. He says, I sent you this a while back. It was right before your Alcoa trip, so I'm guessing it might have been shuffled due to email volume. However, I just read your Facebook post on the flag and felt compelled to sell this again, send this again because I feel the frustration in your discourse that mirrors my own. For the record, I am a serving member of the U.S. Special Operations Community. I'd prefer not to reference my specific unit, not because I'm so cool, but I don't even want to flirt with using my rank or positions for the purpose of political speech. I'm sure you remember what happens to guys who make that blunder. The point of referencing who I am is that my position requires special training, beyond what the standard regime. During one of these training programs, I found my personal meaning for the flag. I was given the choice of stepping on a flag or starving. At the time, I was still convinced that it would be disloyal to do so, just for my own personal comfort. It didn't stop there, though. I'm an officer, and in this particular situation, I was responsible for others and just myself. Again, I was given the choice to step on the flag, but this time, the penalty for refusal was the death of one of my men. It pained me at the time, but I did it because those in my charge are the most important thing on earth, way more so than my pride. Later, one of the instructors pulled me aside and explained things. He told me, son, you see that man over there? That's your American, not some piece of cloth. If your concept of America and loyalty is so weak that disrespect to a piece of fabric is the worth the death of your comrades, then you've got some whacked out priorities. You carry America with you, and it's something no one can take from you. No one can dirty without you buying into it. That little lecture stays with me to this day. So that's part of my personal ethos. Here's another. In this country, we allow people to be assholes. There I said it. Do I think it's an asshole move to stomp on a flag you never sacrificed for? Hell yeah. Will I be hanging out with those that do? <laughs> well, not while they're doing it. Does that irritate me? Yes. But then again, this country, you're allowed to be an asshole. I know because I put my life on the line repeatedly to ensure it would be so. So go ahead and act juvenile. All it does is convince me that you have too little to offer in the way of rational arguments when you resort to attention-grabbing bullcrap like this. But in this country, we take all kinds, from the most moral and upstanding enlightened anarchists to bigoted assholes in all stripes. Your t-shirt doesn't take that from me. Your little bit of performance art, to me, is the adult equivalent of a child holding their breath until they get their way. Sorry to unload, but I felt it needed saying, thanks for the show and all you do. And I won't read any more because I don't want to give away any part of this individual's name or identity at his request. Uh, yeah, that's what I've been trying to say, too. Now, this is a person far more involved than I am in military operations, so to speak, or ever was. But really the same take. And I think that's another important thing to understand about this whole outrage. I'm outraged. I can't believe somebody would do this. Okay, um, people that are doing shit like this are exactly what this gentleman said. They're being adolescents. They're throwing a temper tantrum. And they're only doing it because you will pay attention. 
They're only doing it because you will pay attention. So do you know what happens when you don't pay attention? They tend to stop doing it. And even if they don't, you wouldn't know unless someone forced you to pay attention by making a big deal out of something. That, that's what this is all about. This is about control of you by controlling your mind. What the average American should say when some jack wagon burns a flag or stomps on a flag or wears a flag shirt they don't appreciate, you know, is so. Let's talk about these guys that are so supposedly so offended by this that are waiting for surgeries and waiting for medical treatment. Let's talk about that. Don't show me that. I don't care about that. That's not that's not what's that that person you know stomping on a flag. That's not what's preventing this guy over here from the surgery he needs, so he'll be out of pain. So why why don't we not worry about that right now? So you guys fix all this other shit, then we'll worry about that. You're unpatriotic, really. That's all you got. Well, bring it then. I mean, that's how I feel in this. You point to the actual problems. And people are upset that you won't pay attention to the distractions that are simply rude or disrespectful or offensive. I don't like people that are rude, disrespectful, and offensive, especially intentionally. But I like people that cause physical harm to others a hell of a lot less. I like people that do not respect individuals' right to their property even less. So while I do not like the guy that burns his own flag, I like less the guy that would physically take his property and do him physical harm because one actually has a victim. And it's the guy that thinks he's right. And it's the guy that thinks he's being patriotic. And it is these things that can be used to turn a society into Nazi Germany. It is those things that can do that to you. It really is. The minute it becomes okay to take away another person's rights and freedoms for something just because you don't like it, you become fair game when someone doesn't like what you're doing and there just happens to be a few more people that don't approve of what you're doing than do. Again, love it or leave it, really? Should all the people that were upset that they were forced to ride in the back of the bus just shut up or left? Again, this is not how America works. We need to understand why the soldiers offended and temper our comments and make sure that we're clear on what we're saying. And a lot of people would say to me, why do you care? Jack, you've become an anarchist over the years. You went from libertarian to minarchist libertarian to full-on anarchist. Why do you have any loyalty at all? to these symbols and these nationalistic concepts and this constitution thing that empowers the state that you're opposed to. Because I believe America's ideals are largely anarchist ideals. Let me give you some basic ideals of America, and then you guys who are anarchists tell me if this fits with the ideals of anarchism. People have a right to their individual private property. That is an American ideal. And at the time, that it was being put out, it was a radical anarcho idea. You don't think that King George thought that people like Thomas Jefferson and John Adams were anarchists? You, you don't think that word ever came up? Put down this anarchy. You don't think, okay, come on, right? 
So the right to your individual property. I think that is an American ideal. I think the right to express yourself freely, any way that you please, as long as it doesn't harm another person. You can say fire all you want, but you can't do it in a crowded theater. That would harm somebody. That would intentionally do harm to somebody and therefore violate the non-aggression principle. But I think that's an American ideal. I'm not saying it's an exclusive. That's the other thing we got to understand. American ideals are not exclusively American ideals. All right? But these are the ideals that are supposed to be represented by the American flag, the Constitution of the United States, and all the patriotism everybody says that they want to have. Freedom of expression. To be able to say what you feel without fear of reprisal or harm. I think that's an anarchist ideal. Don't you agree? The belief that people should be able to keep the fruits of their own labor rather than have it taken from them. I know it's done with taxation, but that's not the way that things were set up in the beginning, is it? The ideal, the ideal that that which you earn, you should be able to keep. That's an American ideal because before this country was founded, everything belonged to the crown. Do you understand that? That's why the crown saw the revolution as an anarchy. So the ideals represented by America, I see as common ideals with my goals. And as a realist, I'm an anarchist, but I'm also a realist. I know that anarchy is my choice for my life. It is a personal belief system that guides my decisions and ethics, and I believe makes me a better man. There was a time when if you crossed me far enough, I would physically harm you. Now I have plenty of times where I feel the desire to physically harm someone, but I'm morally and ethically bound by a belief in non-aggression that unless they're actually physically harming me, harming or, or stealing my property or the property of others, or physically harming another person, that I cannot use force in response to them. When I come against a, a, a situation that I disagree with, I have to make a logical, articulate case for why the people engaged in it should reconsider their opinions rather than use the force of the state to stop them. That's what I have to do individually as an anarchist. Anarchy today is not something that we in the anarchist movement are trying to institute as a solution on, let's say, a, a, a North American continent level. We make our case for what we have, and we accept the fact that you're not ready for it. It's called freedom. Again, that's an American ideal, not an exclusively American ideal. I think it's very important that we as Americans stop thinking that like we came up with the concept of freedom and liberty. Because we didn't. We went, that's a really good idea. We should do that. We didn't like go, hey, guys, guess what? I have this new idea. We're going to have freedom and liberty here in this place we're going to call America. And, and everybody went, oh, explain what freedom and liberty are, because we, we're not familiar with those things. Oh, went, oh, freedom and liberty. Oh, yeah, we should do that. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm making it a little bit more um, remedial in, in the lingo there. But that's the basic concept. When, when the Declaration of Independence was written, 
What hits so hard in the gut to so many people is it wasn't an American thing. It was a universal thing. When we say in this country today, even under our government, that so-and-so doesn't qualify for constitutional rights because they're from another country, well, in that country, we're correct when we say that because we don't get to control what Turkey does or France does or Spain does, okay? But in our dealings with them, if we say that, we are being unconstitutional. Just because you're from another country, if we're dealing with you, We're to be bound by our own Constitution because our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence do not exclusively apply to Americans. Other than the specific restrictions on residency and things like that, they're to apply to humans. The Bill of Rights does not apply to you because you're an American. It applies to you because you're a human. These are the concepts that were put down by the founders of this nation. I take these things seriously. And I realize that the system we have, flawed as it is, is what we have. I don't think it's the best we can do. I don't even necessarily think in all walks it's the best thing there is. But it's what we have. So I have to work within its confines. And I have to take what's great about it and not shit on that simply due to all the things that do suck about it. I met a gentleman recently at the feed store. And I, I didn't even think about it. When I left the house, I just grabbed a hat. And since my Henschel hat disappeared, I've been wearing caps a lot more. And I grabbed this cap that I have. It's a U.S. Army cap, and I've got a couple pins on it. I didn't even really think about the fact that I was wearing it. And this, this elderly gentleman taps me on the shoulder as I'm talking to my wife and says, Sir, did you serve in the Army? And I think for a second, why would he even know that? And I, oh, yeah, I'm wearing a hat. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I told him a little bit about my service and, He said, yeah, I was in during the late 60s and early 70s. I was in the Army then. And he was wearing an Air Force hat. And I said, well, what's with the Air Force? I said, well, I joined the Air Force after you know, my time there. I decided I want a career and I want to become a doctor. So he was an Army medic, became a doctor. He served for so long that when we started talking about my service in Panama, he was in Panama on Howard Air Force Base while I was at Fort Kobe. You know what separated Fort Kobe from Howard? A road. They were inside the same fencing. We served side by side in the military, even though he began his service during the Vietnam War. And you could tell there were some things really eating at him, and it was just an older man that wanted to talk And he started telling me about his wife. She was in the military, too. And his voice cracked so much, I didn't even hear what he said. My wife, being more sensitive than me, I just knew it was bad. Uh, said we, he, What he actually had said was, we lost each other recently. And that meant that she had passed away. And my wife was asking me things, and the store clerk was asking me, and I'm trying to talk to this gentleman at the same time. And I said, hold on a second. And I took care of answering a question for the clerk. And I went back and I said, I'm sorry about this. He said, no, no, no. Take care of your wife while you can. <laughs> what's this? What's the phrase they use? You know, hit you in the feels, right? You know? And I was, I, I had to go get some propane tanks filled too. So I was about to just go outside and I stopped for a second. I turned around 
And uh, I tapped the guy on his shoulder, and I said, Sir, thank you for your service. And it never ceases to amaze me how much that means, especially to these people. This, this man served 30 years or more in the military. And, you know, he said, well, thank you as well. And I thought, yeah, geez, I, what I did compared to what this guy did and the time he put in. And, you know, this guy was a medic and then a doctor and how many people he helped in that service. And this is what you have to understand that it's very patriotic to speak out against your government, but when you when you trash the service member, that's the type of person you're trashing. You think I'm going to start telling that guy how bad America is? At this point in his life? Because he's part of what's the best things about America. If he's not at this point wanting to go back and question himself, it's not my place to put him on the spot and do that. All I could think of was how profoundly grateful I was that there were men like that serving alongside of me. And when I hear people that just say stupid crap like, oh, so you want to kill brown people, I think, no. Do you know what I did? I went for six months to Honduras to build roads and schools for little brown people. And it's very insulting when you insult the character of people who did what they did because they believed in it. And the, 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 the arrogant purist says, well, Nazis believed in what they did too. No, the Nazis that did what they did. That when I say Nazis, I mean those who served in the military in Germany that did what they did because they actually believed in the ideals of their nation are the type of men who said to my father-in-law, I'm going to pretend to be sick and you run away and let him go. And you think that man didn't risk his life? You know, once they figured out who got away, do you think that was without risk? For all we know, he was shot. Don't really know. That's the people you're insulting with your arrogant, flippant attitude. So I believe the most patriotic thing we can do as Americans is to speak out against the things our nation does wrong. Because I believe that the that blind patriotism is a real and present danger to the sanctity that is the liberty that is supposed to be represented by our nation. I believe that because it's true. Because in every instance where a dictatorship was able to control a nation, the people were fed patriotism on the walk to tyranny. But in some ways, this elitist, asshole, arrogant crap that some of us in the liberty movement espouse is a bigger danger. I call it anarchist arrogance. It's an even bigger danger than blind patriotism. Because what we're seeking to do is to wake people up to the reality of the things done in our name that are wrong. The blood that is on the hands of the American people. And when you do it with flippant arrogance, you don't help people free themselves from control. You drive them deeper into control. You're never going to win over people. 
by telling them that they suck. You just aren't. And you aren't going to win people over when there's a discussion and you result to insults. You win people over by presenting your ideas. And not expecting that just because you presented them today, that that person is going to accept them today. Well, you're wrong. Okay. Since you've made such a clear, logical, and cogent argument, fine. I'm not going to have that argument. You're wrong. Okay. Well, since you brought so many facts and reality. I mean. But I'm not going to be like, you're a statist. That doesn't work. Insulting people. That's another thing the anarchists have a big problem with. If you're an anarchist and you go around calling minarchists statists, you just, you just, whatever time it was going to take them to, 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 to finish their walk, you just lengthened it. Good job there. Great, great job there. Good job, boy. That's what you've done. You know, somebody asked me the other day, you know, the old joke is what is the difference between a, uh, a minarchist, libertarian, and an anarchist? And people say about six months. And my response to that is maybe if they're not repeatedly beaten over the head and shoulders and called status by anarchists. Because the libertarian minarchist, you know, usually doesn't even start out as a libertarian minarchist. They start out as a, as a, as an LP libertarian, a libertarian party libertarian. Fiscally conservative, right? And socially liberal. Leave people alone, respect their rights to property, smaller government, yada, yada. They start to realize that that's never going to happen. Right? So they start to be a little bit more toward the minarchists. Like, okay, well, what should government do? What should government do? And they come up with this really little list. National defense, basic pr the protection of property, maybe some level of public education and transportation. That's about it. Right? And then sooner or later, people realize that if you give government any power, it will grow. The government, by its very nature, grows. So eventually they realize the only solution is to work toward a stateless society. Not to have one tomorrow, but to work toward that. That's the ideal. But they forget that when they were a libertarian, they, would, they were constantly thinking, that can't possibly work. Because right now it can't. Right now it absolutely cannot work. You could not, you could not pull the plug on government tomorrow and not have millions or billions of people dead. You know, in the end of a couple months. You really couldn't. Society is not ready for freedom in many ways. People cling to their chains. If we respect freedom, we have to respect the freedom of mankind to cling to its chains for a time and fight the oppression that puts us in chains and say, you want your chains fine, but don't make me wear them too. And then we figure out how much are we willing to tolerate on the interactive edges. That's where most of us are. But then there's the group that's just like, well, why can't you figure it out? Well, why didn't you figure it out in 15 minutes? Why did it take you so long to get where you are? Very few of us are born anarchists. And I guess there might be a few people out there that were raised by two parents that were both anarchists and bought into their parents' ideology, because that's not even always likely. Usually people don't share their parents' ideology fully. When, when, when we attack people who are just trying to do the best they can, we push them back into the system that we want to pull them out of. It's like going up to somebody that's trying to pull themselves out of a pool and saying, why don't you just get out of the pool faster and kicking them in the face? Every time they pull a little harder to get out of the pool, we like kick them again. Not hard enough to knock them in, but just kick them and kick them. And they start thinking, you know what? I, I think I like it in the pool better. 
Or at least I'm going to swim the other side and get out of the other side. I don't, I don't need this shit. That's what we're doing. And it, but the difficulty here is this. And I struggle with this with my wife. I get up upset when I see certain things. Like we saw a bumper sticker recently. And what it said was, if you won't stand behind our troops, feel free to stand in front of them. And she liked it. And my soon-to-be daughter-in-law liked it. I was dramatically offended by it. And what I said was, that person that has that bumper sticker there, I'll bet you 99 to 1, they never served in the military. They know somebody that did, and they think that's a quip. Like, I know somebody, so I'm in the club. No, you're not. No, you're not. You, I don't care if it's your brother. I don't care if it's your mother. I don't care if it's your dad. The person that served is in the club. You're on the outside looking in. You do not understand the service unless you did it. This person did not, or that wouldn't be there. Because one of the biggest fears that we have in society right now is that the police state will turn on the people and tell the troops to shoot citizens of this country. And you're going to put up a bumper sticker that says to stand in front of me when I'm carrying my rifle? That's offensive. Now, I didn't want a law passed. I didn't want to rip it off the car. And I'm not even mad at the person to put the sticker there. And I'm not mad at my wife. And I'm not mad at my daughter-in-law. But I'm express expressing this exasperation. And they both felt like I was mad at them. It's very hard to explain. I'm mad at the system that's led you to believe that that's actually helping. They would make that, like, oh, that sounds right. And it's, guys, ten years ago. I would have said, I want one of those. I want one of those. There's, there's a walk that we all have to do toward freedom and liberty and truly understanding liberty. And I don't necessarily think that everybody listening to this show is going to just come all the way across to where I'm at today. But I will say what I hope is that you will check this blind patriotism. Because every time that a government has moved up the list on the mass murder list, it's been done with patriotism. Stalin sold his people on patriotism. Hitler sold his people on patriotism. Mussolini sold his people on patriotism. Every person that you can look back in history who did horrible things using the power of the state did so under the state's banner and said that anybody that opposed it was attacking the symbolism of the banner. The flag has gone be from being a symbol of liberty and freedom to a, a, a holy relic that can be used as a cloak by those that do the very things the flag is supposed to represent opposition to. Don't be part of that. Don't fall for it. The next time you see something and you're outraged, think about how many things there are far worse that this country is actively doing to its people and the other people of the world right now. And realize every bit of angst and anger and animosity that you waste on that is stolen from you. Stolen from you. When it could be focused on making things better for yourself and others. Remember the dash. Another thing I learned in the military from a commander. They'll bury you. They'll put a stone over your head. There'll be two years and a dash and maybe a fancy little saying 
In the end, the dash is you. Every time you're misled with bullshit that doesn't really matter, that doesn't really affect you, no matter how offensive you think it is, somebody stole part of that dash. If you really need to understand it, go find a stone. It's not a very big dash. It's pretty small. How much of it are you willing to give away? How much are you willing to sacrifice instead of doing something valuable with it? Blind patriotism is one way to give up an awful lot of that dash. Patriotism is about belief in ideals that represent a, a, a group, a na whether it's a nation, you're patriotic to your nation, or patriotic to your tribe, or patriotic to your family. It's about the ideals. When the ideals fall, the patriot speaks. He doesn't go elsewhere, doesn't shut up, speaks the truth. But one thing we must all remember, all of us that would call ourselves either minarchist or anarchist, libertarian or whatever at this point must remember, if we weren't born this way, then we, by our own admission, state that in the past we were wrong and that leaves open the possibility that we're wrong now and we should think very carefully very carefully when we speak against men and women who mean to do the best they can. Our animosity should remain with the people in control, with the people in power. It should remain with the individual who uses our system as a weapon rather than those that are in the system. The criminal is the criminal. The implement he uses is a tool. And that's what many of us have become. Tools of a system. And a system that still does the very best that it can because of the individuals in it. This nation would long ago have become something far worse than Nazi Germany. If not for the quality of the individuals who are the final check on the system. The next time you go insulting a person or their service or their act, you know, occupation or anything that they do to try to work to make the world a better place, please think about these things. With that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.